well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Second day in a row of mid-August hoodie weather in Central Virginia. Oh my goodness gracious, I can hardly contain my excitement. Uh, it feels very un-Virginia-like here. It feels more like the Pacific Northwest. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe uh, Oregon, as I try to seamlessly segue into our uh, topic of conversation today. You know, uh, in Oregon, gun control activists managed to get a gun control initiative on the ballot this fall. Uh, this was originally called IP117, uh, but that's not what you will see on the ballot uh, in November if you live in the state of Oregon. Instead, you will see Measure 114. And right now, you can find a uh, brand new website that is uh, up and running called stop114.com. Uh, this is exciting, and I'm glad to see that there is pushback coming against this uh, proposed ballot initiative. Uh, hopefully, uh, folks can get the word out across the state of Oregon that uh, uh, ballot measure 114 is bad news. Uh, frankly, whether you are a Second Amendment supporter or not, there are a lot of reasons to oppose this particular ballot initiative. Let's go through um, some of what the website is talking about, because I think they do a really good job. By the way, I have no idea who's behind this website. Uh, but uh, the organizers clearly uh, are uh, engaged with the local law enforcement community, as well as gun owners across the state of Oregon, because uh, not only do they talk about what this bill will do, for instance, uh, talking about virtually eliminating your ability to defend yourself or your family. They say no matter where you stand on guns, the simple fact is someday somewhere you may have to protect yourself and you cannot rely on the police. Under ballot measure 114, you could literally wait forever for permission to purchase a home defense firearm, noting that the measure requires a class with live fire training before a person can apply for a permit to purchase a firearm. And they note that there are virtually no facilities that will be available for this training. For first-time gun buyers, this could well require that you have a gun before you get permission to buy a gun. Yeah, it is going to be difficult to find the mandated training because, again, if ballot measure 114 passes, any new gun owner in Oregon is going to have to go through this training course before they can be approved to even go and purchase a firearm to keep in their home. Now, there are also some issues with how this is going to work in practice. Because the state police, I believe, are the ones that are supposed to authorize, or law enforcement authorizes the training. But what is that supposed to look like? Are we just talking about, you know, NRA, NRA uh, certified firearms instructors? Are we talking about a basic pistol course? And again, if every potential gun owner in the state of Oregon has to go through these courses, yeah, there really aren't enough ranges to go around. I mean, you will have folks who will be waiting for months on end simply before they can get the training needed, before they can apply for permission to possess a gun in their home. It's not the only problem. Uh, as uh, 
several individuals in law enforcement Oregon uh, talk about on the website stop114.com. For instance, Jason Myers with the Oregon State Sheriff's Association says that organization has estimated that if a person somehow could complete the required training, the permitting process would cost sheriffs almost $40 million every year, saying that there is nothing in the measure that provides any funding and the fees included would not come close to covering the costs. The estimated cost to local police, over $51 million for the first year, about $47.5 million in subsequent years, and the, quote, anticipated revenue from all of these new fees is less than $20 million. The sponsors of the measure, says Jason Myers, have no plan to pay for it. And they say if this measure does become law, The Oregon State Sheriff's Association will work to address the training requirements as we can within our resources and will certainly help local sheriffs to the extent possible with providing training, but it is going to be nearly impossible to provide adequate training facilities and staffing without significant state funding assistance. Sheriff Tim Svensson uh, in uh, Yamhill County says we do not currently offer up uh, training for CHLs and we would not be doing it for this either. So again, even if you're not a gun owner, The unfunded mandate here that is going to be applied directly to law enforcement agencies will have a negative impact on public safety throughout the state of Oregon. Because remember, these county sheriff's offices, these counties don't operate on deficit spending like they do in Congress. They can't just say, well, you know, we're only going to bring in $50 million, but our budget is $250 million. We'll just, you know, pretend that the uh, other $200 million doesn't really exist. Just funny money. You can't do that. You, you've got to make sure that you've got the funds to pay for things. And if all of a sudden the state slaps on this $30 million unfunded mandate across the state, that is going to impact law enforcement to the tune of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars each and every year. And that will have a huge impact on public safety. Now, the Stop 114 uh, campaign also does a really good job, I think, of, of, of personalizing and humanizing the opposition uh, to these gun control measures. You know, I mean, listen, gun control advocates, as we saw in Congress earlier this summer, they've basically got one argument, right? If you disagree with what it is that they're calling for, their go-to argument is, oh, so you care more about your guns than X, right? You care more about your guns than student safety. You care more about your guns than protecting innocent human lives. You care more about your guns than... Little elementary school children getting shot in a classroom. That's their argument. It's a BS argument, but that's their go-to. So, as I said, one of the things that I think uh, Stop114.com does very effectively is to personalize this opposition. This isn't about caring about or loving your guns more than you love human beings. This is about wanting to be able to protect yourself and the people that you love. One of the folks that uh, uh, they highlight on the website, uh, Angie Fras- uh, Frasetto, who's a single mom and a domestic violence survivor, who says that there are many women like her who have a protective order, which unfortunately is just a piece of paper, which cannot stop an abuser from carrying out an act of violence. As of 2020 in Oregon, almost 40% of women have been the victims of domestic violence. In 2018, domestic violence accounted for 20% of all of Oregon's violent crimes. Each year in Oregon, Approximately 30 victims are killed from domestic violence, regardless of a protective order being in place. 
protecting myself and my family is my right, she says. And Measure 114 puts that at risk. This bill only serves as a roadblock to hinder legal firearm acquisition from law-abiding citizens. This is a terrifying proposal, and it's based off an illogical concept to prevent gun violence and leaves a gap of vulnerability to people like myself, Angie Versetto writes, who need to be able to feel safe within their own homes. Uh, there are some uh, other objections, including from a uh, private security guard in Portland, Oregon, uh, Damian Bunting, who says, as an armed security guard in downtown Portland over the past two years, I've personally witnessed two disparaging realities. One, danger to the everyday Portlander is only increasing. And two, the ability of law enforcement and our civic leadership to address it is only eroding. On a daily basis, stories of crime, violence, intimidation, and murder flood our news feeds. We see homelessness, mental illness, and despair from the uh, windows of our homes, cars, and businesses routinely are made aware through the extended wait times of our 911 system to the inaction of our activist district attorney and city council that we are truly our own first responders. Uh, another county sheriff in Oregon, uh, Brad uh, Lorry from uh, Sherman County, who says he's the current longest-serving sheriff in Oregon, says not only does my sheriff's office lack the funding, staff, and facilities to meet the permits, process, and training requirements that IP117 or uh, uh, Ballot Initiative 114 outlines, he says he also fears the burdens that it will place on citizens that he serves. He says it would harm the poor, the rural, and those that quickly need a firearm for self-defense the most. The hurdles that this measure places on people will mean that only the people with money, with time, with access to advanced shooting facilities and with advanced training resources, will be able to purchase firearms. If passed, he says this measure will be a tragic infringement on our rights, and it will absolutely violate the state and federal constitutions, calling it, quote, completely unacceptable. Uh, one uh, last uh, uh, a personal statement that the folks at Stop114.com uh, highlight from Martin Luther King talking about when he applied for a permit to uh, carry a firearm in Alabama. And he said, I went to the sheriff to get a permit for those people who were guarding me. And in substance, he was saying, you are at the disposal of the hoodlums. Because these permit-to-purchase requirements, you know, uh, particularly the uh, measure that is set up in Oregon, uh, allows for all kinds of discretion to be used in terms of uh, who gets permission to exercise their fundamental Second Amendment rights. Uh, again, as I said, I'm really encouraged to see this website up there. I hope that uh, gun owners across the state of Oregon will use this as a resource. I understand. I, it's sad, but it's the reality. It, you know, when we're talking to, let's say, non-gun owners, or, or even gun owners who are not Second Amendment activists, the constitutional argument Sometimes may get ignored, right? They don't really care in some cases whether or not something is constitutional. Well, let the courts figure it out. Well, 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 can't we just pass it and then see what the courts do? I don't think that's the right way to go about making laws, but uh, but there is another argument for those folks who are not swayed by the idea that uh, it's a bad thing to violate individuals' constitutionally protected rights. Again, point to the real-world implications here. Is any violent criminal in the state of Oregon 
going to apply for a permit to purchase a firearm? No. These laws, again, are aimed directly at law-abiding citizens, individuals who want access to their constitutionally protected rights. And not only will this measure stand in their way of being able to legally purchase a firearm, again, the unfunded mandates put everyone at risk. You know, we've already seen homicides in Portland are up 200%, according to Mayor Ted Wheeler, over just a couple of years ago. You've got shortages in law enforcement agencies across the state. The last thing that police departments need, frankly, is another unfunded mandate. Uh, not quite defunding the police, but unfunding the police. Uh, that, that's what this ballot measure does. And again, the impact and the effects, I think, sadly, are going to be seen, well, in a couple of areas. Rural parts of the state, because if you don't have a big population base in your county, you don't have a big you know, a, a tax base. And so typically you've got smaller budgets and those counties are going to be hit harder. The impacts are going to be felt more there. But even in Multnomah County, for example, you know, Portland itself, the lack of funding is going to be an impact. But I think more importantly, again, what you're going to find is that criminals are completely untouched by these measures. And this isn't going to do anything to bring down the crime rate. It's going to make it harder for police to do their job. It's going to make it harder for law-abiding citizens to protect themselves. But this is, in essence, a criminal empowerment act. Because, again, they are, <laughs> they're, they're going to have fewer armed citizens to worry about. They're going to you know, have less risk uh, on the job of uh, actually being shot uh, if they try to perpetrate a violent crime. This is probably the best thing going. For criminals in Oregon, well, I take that back. I mean, we have seen the last couple of years in Portland. But uh, again, this is another, let, let, let's put this, this is another step in the wrong direction when it comes to fighting crime and certainly when it comes to protecting our individual rights. Uh, again, the website, stop114.com. And uh, we will be talking much more about this ballot initiative between now and November, to be sure. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our uh, good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a, a story that definitely has uh, a recidivist aspect to it, but it is broader than just one particular case. Um, this out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, where a uh, local uh, a TV station, WDEF, had an uh, interesting story. Juvenile laws favoring juveniles, county mayor-elect believes so. Uh, this uh, mayor-elect in Chattanooga, it says that uh, Saturday's altercation at a, a football stadium that led to the tasing of a 16-year-old alleged repeat offender is one example of this. Yeah, so again, there was a fight apparently in Chattanooga at a, a football stadium last Saturday. And um, the teenager who was arrested was apparently also involved in a shooting at a mall in Chattanooga just last year. Uh, according to WDEF, the 16-year-old in question reportedly pulled out a gun and fired several shots at the Hamilton Place Mall one year ago this past Friday. He could have been charged with reckless endangerment or attempted murder if the shots had hit somebody. But neither of those offenses would qualify to transfer his case from juvenile court to adult court. Uh, if he were 14 and under, he might have qualified for adult court. 
But because he was 16, this is really confusing, he apparently wasn't eligible. So the mayor-elect of Hamilton County, uh, Weston Wamp, it says that uh, this statute proves to him that juvenile offenders uh, are getting a break under state law, that the justice system actually favors the offenders over their alleged victims. He says, clearly whatever we did, whatever touch points there were in this young man's life after the incident a year ago, it certainly didn't lead to much change. Didn't lead, in my estimation, to any change, as I often describe it as hopelessness. Yeah. Uh, WDF also spoke to a, a local attorney named Jerry Summers, who says that much of the uh, violence that they're seeing in Chattanooga is gang-related, but he accuses the police department of, of not calling it uh, gang violence. He said, uh, quote, the Chattanooga Police Department put out this reduction in violence plan, 15 pages of good talk, but they never mentioned the word gang, a fact of reality. We have got gangs in Chattanooga, and how you're going to solve it is beyond my expertise, he says. Well, there are a couple of things, and by the way, not all of them involve uh, arrests and prosecution. There are some community violence intervention programs that I think are successful, but they've got to be done in conjunction again with holding offenders accountable. And that means using the criminal justice system. And that means making sure that the criminal justice system works. Again, when you've got a 16 year old who fired shots at a mall last year with apparently just a slap on the wrist to show for it. Yeah, that is a clear sign that you've got some struggles. And by the way, this is happening in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's in the blue state. Can't blame, you know, Gavin Newsom or uh, Andrew Cuomo for uh, these laws. This is something that Republicans in Tennessee have the opportunity to revisit here in the months ahead. Uh, And frankly, as voters are pretty concerned about violent crime right now, fixing the juvenile justice system would be a very, very good place to start, not only from a practical perspective, from a political perspective as well. Uh, Today's armed citizen story from uh, Chicago, Illinois, where a teen has been charged in the shooting and attempted carjacking of a retired Chicago police officer. That retired officer able to fire back during this attempted carjacking. Uh, Thankfully, the uh, individual was able to uh, uh, fire back. The 59-year-old was shot. Uh, in the arm and the abdomen, unfortunately. He was uh, transported to a local hospital where, at last report, he was listed in uh, good condition. Uh, the uh, FOP's John Catanzara said the retired officer, quote, drew his weapon and returned fire after he was shot. Uh, initially, it was believed that the ex-officer was the only person who was injured, but uh, now police say that the investigators believe that one of these suspects was struck as well. Uh, pointing to a person who, quote, showed up at a hospital much later. Meanwhile, a 17-year-old has been arrested in this attempted carjacking and armed robbery. He was caught roughly an hour after the shooting, charged with first-degree attempted murder, aggravated uh, attempted aggravated vehicular hijacking with a firearm, aggravated battery discharge of a firearm, and aggravated discharge of a firearm. Uh, he is due in court today. And frankly, given the uh, failings of the criminal justice system in Chicago... He's probably going to be on the street in the next couple of days, too. Finally, today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing in Hollywood, California. A a good Samaritan who saw an elderly individual being beaten on the street and did not just stand idly by, was not, uh, in the words of uh, Oakland, California Police Chief Laron Armstrong, a good witness, 
No, he actually decided to step up and try to help that individual. Uh, this was uh, earlier this month. Uh, Tim Radcliffe uh, is the uh, gentleman's name, the uh, the Good Samaritan. Uh, he said, to quote, I'm not going to lie, the adrenaline was a lot uh, at that point, and afterwards it was exhausting. Like I had uh, worked out the next day for quite a bit. Um, Radcliffe actually chased down this individual who sucker punched an elderly guy after he uh, took the elderly man's phone and wallet. Uh, Ratcliffe says, I took him down, and I just waited there for uh, police to arrive. You can see that is the uh, moment of the takedown itself. Uh, Ratcliffe is a, a restaurant owner. Uh, he says that uh, there need to be more police patrols in the area. He says, uh, every one of the officers and I've talked about it, they're tired of it. A lot of people like myself are tired of this type of thing happening. We're seeing more and more people not putting up with it and just taking it in their own hands, which I'm glad for, and I would happily do it again, he said. Well, good for Radcliffe for doing that. Uh, you know, I, I am hopeful, by the way, that uh, in California, I know it's going to take some time, but with, again, more people worried about their own safety, about the safety of their communities, we are seeing more people apply for their concealed carry licenses, even in places like Los Angeles County. And hopefully the number of armed citizens will soon be on the increase as well. And maybe that might give Southern California's violent criminals a, a little food for thought before they try to uh, target an elderly man that they think is going to be an easy victim. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I do want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. I really do appreciate it. Be sure to check out the website, bearingarms.com, throughout the day. For even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about, we're going to be talking about the New York State's response to one of the several post-Bruin lawsuits that have been filed. Uh, what New York's argument is to try to keep this case out of court. Uh, and we've got some other interesting uh, stories ahead as well on the website. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber as well. Just go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. We're going to give you exclusive content, too. As always, saying thanks for showing your support for our reporting. Uh, news stories, analysis, stuff you won't find anywhere else, because your support really does matter, and we thank you again for it. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well. Be safe and be free.